Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Hey, turn with me to Luke chapter 15, if you would. And we're going to read some Bible tonight. I don't know what translation you have, but I know it's a good one. But we're going to do something a little different. We're going to read all of Luke chapter 15. Is that okay? If we read a little more Bible than normal? I got an even better idea. Why don't we have some people read for us tonight? And Yasmina, you just nodded your head. That means you wanted to read first. So would you, would you come and read part of this with us? Bring whatever um, Bible you've got up here. Because otherwise you guys will get tired of listening to me talk the whole time. And why don't you read for us? And we've got it on the screens for those of you who didn't bring it. Uh, bring your Bible. But why don't you read from 1 to 7. So Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Yeah, go for it. Okay, I'm sorry, one through seven? Yep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts on his shoulder, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Beautiful, beautiful. Steve, would you mind reading the next part of this? Could you do that for us? So why don't you read to us about the lost coin? Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Beautiful, beautiful. And there's one more story. Amy, would you read this for us? I'm going to run, get some exercise. I got a marathon to run in 18 weeks, so I need some exercise. Yep, till the end of the chapter. That'd be great. Thank you. All the word? Yeah, it's not that much. So what, what section are we are We're now uh, from verse 11. Then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. Hmm. So the father divided the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he had gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through the country, and he began to hurt. He sighed with a citizen who was there who assigned him to his field to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have not eaten the corn cobs and the pig slop, but no one would have given him any. That brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going, to back, I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. 
take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced, and kissed him. Then the son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a, cl a clean clet of soads and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here. Give him up for dead and now alive. Give him up for lost and now find, found. And they began to have a wonderful time. At this time, his older, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing, calling over one of the houseboys and asked what was going on. He told him, your brother came home. Your father was ordered a feast barbecued beef because he, he has found a home safe and sound. The older brother stalked off an angry sulk and refused to join him. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look how many years I've stayed here starving you, never giving your one moment of grief. Have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then a son of yours has thrown away your money on horror shows up and fast to the feast. His father said, don't you understand? You're with me all the time. Everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time and we have to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he is found. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Well done, guys. If you're trying to figure out why sometimes what they're reading and on the screens is a little bit different, that's because there's kind of different translations of the Bible that tell the same story, but using a little bit different language. Uh, but it's the same story. These are three stories that Jesus tells at one time. Now, <laughs> I want you to read this because I've had a bit of a crazy week. I am not normally somebody who loses things, but I have had a week that has driven me up the wall. It started with my keys. I am ridiculous about my keys. Maybe you're like me too. Do you have a spot in your house where the keys go? And they only go in that spot. How many people have one of those? And how many of you are like, I just throw them down and eventually find them and get to my car? That's okay, Liam, yeah. That's okay too sometimes. But I have this little bowl that sits on our uh, like buffet that's in our living room. It's the only place my keys go. So if they're not in that place, somebody else moved them. They're always in that place. And whenever I go somewhere and I happen to carry my backpack, they're always in the same pocket of that backpack. They don't go in any other pocket. They don't go to any other backpack. I know where my keys are. But I took Liam to soccer practice the other day, and it was on uh, Little Creek on the Navy base. And sure enough, here I am trying to get off base and I'm looking through my, and it's not in the pocket. It's not there. And I spent 30 minutes looking for keys that they themselves, I am convinced, walked away on their own. It was a miracle of all heaven that my keys grew legs and walked away. Then last Sunday, we came in. Did anybody notice that last Sunday we got to go a little bit old school, and we got to read the song lyrics off the sheet instead of on the screen. Do you know why last week we got to read the, 
songs off the sheet instead of on the screen. It wasn't because we were nostalgic for old school. I lost the USB drive that every single song that we have as a church is on one USB drive. Why I decided that having one little teeny piece of plastic with everything that we need to do church on was a great idea, and that was the only place that thing is on, is completely beyond me. But the person who normally puts the songs on the USB drive was going to be out of town, and she said, look, can I trust you with this? I said, look, I never lose anything. If there's anybody you can entrust this to, it's me. And sure enough, I show up here at 3.30 and I am digging through my pockets. I'm telling you, it too, there was a miracle of heaven. It grew legs and walked away. So we got to go a little bit old school last week because somebody lost the USB drive. I just thank God for my son, Liam, who's now presently typing all those things up again. (laughs) And we have a new USB drive and a backup USB drive and my laptop and a Dropbox folder and a Google Drive folder and written in stone somewhere, carved out with the hand of God to make sure that thing never gets lost again. Then I lose my rec card, my card to the recreation center, and I'm just going crazy. Then I lose my headphones. For some reason, I had this idea that it was a really going to be really cool and a great idea to have the headphones that are completely wireless. Like not only are they Bluetooth, they don't even have the connecting wire which means that they're two little tiny independent things that any one of them can get lost on their own. And you never lose both. You only lose one. And they don't work without the other one. Like one of them you can use on its own and one of them requires the other one. Of course, I lose the one that is required to make the other one work. And I'm driving myself crazy because I've got to go to the gym and run on the treadmill. And if you go to the gym and you don't have a water bottle, headphones, a rag, and take a hundred selfies, did you even go to the gym? So if one of those things are missing, I can't go, right? And I'm going crazy. I'm losing things that I, and I don't lose stuff. What drives me crazy is not just that I lost them, but I'm not the guy that loses things. This is my identity. This is threatening right now. And I'm going nuts. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, earlier in the week, I said, God, what's going on? Why do I keep losing stuff? He goes, read Luke 15. I was like, are my headphones in my Bible somewhere? Like tucked into Luke chapter 15. And I began to read these three stories. Now, I'm not blaming God for me losing these things. Some of them have turned up. That USB still has not turned up. But I do know that sometimes God uses the circumstances of our life to show us something about His nature and character. He doesn't use the circumstances of our life to punish us for our wrongdoing. But often He's wanting to show us something about His nature. And so I began to read these stories. I laughed because I came in for our pre-service prayer meeting. We had it at 4 o'clock. And the first thing that comes out is Kim goes, I've lost my Bible. It's like my best Bible, the one that I've had for a long time. And I was like, did anybody else lose anything? And the whole theme of the prayer meeting came, became about finding things that have been lost. And I didn't tell them, but I'm like, yeah, this is my message tonight. I think there's something in these three stories that Jesus is trying to teach us about lost things. But the things aren't things. He's using an illustration of sheep and coins and sons. But in all three of these, he's teaching us the heart of the Father 
towards those who are lost. And when God reveals His heart for something, and He's speaking to us, He's trying to show us that if we are disciples of Jesus, if we are part of His household, then we should also carry His heart to those who are lost. I know for some time it's, it's easy to think it's God's job to love people, it's my job to judge them. God, you may love that guy that just cut me off on the highway, but for right now, I got this. I need to let them know how they did something wrong. I know you love them, but for right now, they need to know. And somehow we get it backwards. It's actually God's job to judge and our job to love. But I was reading these three stories, and I find it interesting that maybe I haven't always connected these three of actually being one story with three different illustrations. We all know the story, well, maybe we don't all, but many are familiar with the story of the prodigal son or the lost son that he's talking about. And I often find myself in this story in a couple of different places. I I sometimes find myself as the lost son. I sometimes find myself as the older brother and sometimes as the lost son or as, as the father. At different parts of my life, I think I've played all three of those roles at one point in time. But I don't know that I saw that the story of the sheep and the coin actually flow as part of the same story. These all go together, but they're actually three different types of people in three different situations in their life. And what Jesus is telling his disciples is you got to know sometimes if you're dealing with a lost coin, a lost sheep, or a lost son. Because your response to each of them might be different. And so I actually want to kind of go through each of these and kind of unfold this story a little bit as as Jesus tells it. Is that okay? Because I think we can learn something from each one of these three. The first part of this story is Jesus is telling us about a lost sheep. Now, there's something interesting about sheep. Sheep have legs. Have you noticed that? They can walk on their own, which means that when a sheep gets lost, it got lost by using its own little sheep legs. It wandered off. Nobody took it. Nobody stole it. It just wandered off. Now, sheep are kind of funny animals. And, you know, Jesus is speaking to a society that was full of sheep and shepherds. So he was speaking in a language that they understood. If he were speaking to us today, he'd probably use a little bit of a different illustration. Maybe Instagram followers. I don't know. But when he's talking about sheep, you see, sheep follow. Like it's in their nature to follow. Now, who or what they follow ultimately determines on where they end up. But because they follow, they have this herd or pack mentality, all they tend to do is just follow the butt that's right in front of them. So if what's in front of them turns one way, so do they. And if there's not a shepherd whose voice they recognize who is speaking over the entire herd, they will just follow the butt in front of them. But they're not supposed to follow the butt in front of them. They're supposed to follow the shepherd's voice. Wherever the shepherd is calling, that's where they're supposed to go. Even if the sheep in front of them turns the wrong way, they're meant to follow the shepherd's voice, not other sheep. But the sheep wanders off by itself. It loses itself. How does it lose itself? Because it wandered. 
it found something a little bit interesting over there. Huh, what? Hang on a second. What? What's that over there? And it just wandered. That grass looks a little greener over there. But for one reason or another, the sheep just kind of wanders off on its own. They follow things when they get distracted. And I don't think they always do it on purpose. They just got distracted. You know, it's interesting that the Apostle Paul actually writes in, uh, in 1 Timothy. He's talking to Timothy, who he's left Timothy in charge of one of the churches, actually in Ephesus. Am I getting too deep now? So there was a church that they started in Ephesus that was this amazing church, but it started falling into some trouble when Paul ends up in jail in Rome. It's kind of lacking leadership. So Paul takes one of his travel companions named Timothy and puts him in charge of this church in Ephesus. And he tells him, hey, Timothy, I need you to kind of straighten some things out here because they've gotten off track. This church in Ephesus, which was a phenomenal church, just started to wander off a little bit. There were some people that came in and they started teaching some false teachings. There were other people that were just trying to make money off this whole ministry thing. They were just in it for themselves. And there were others that just kind of tried to bring in a little additional teaching in addition to the gospel. And the church was starting to wander. And so Paul puts Timothy in charge. He says, Timothy, I can't go to Ephesus, so I need you to kind of help sort this out. And this is what he tells him. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 4, he tells Timothy, they have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. Paul is telling Timothy, the pastor, you've got some sheep that have wandered away. They didn't get up and rebelliously just leave. They just wandered. And they've got an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels. You see, when we, as sheep in his, shepherd, in his pasture, when we get caught up in unnecessary controversies and quarrels, we end up wandering away. I just don't know how any Christian can vote Democrat. I don't get it. I don't see how any Christian can vote for Trump. I, you know, it's those things. They're controversies and quarrels, both sides. And we get so caught up in the politics of this world, we forget that, hey, God loves the Democrat, God loves the Republican, God even loves the Independent. And it's not about that. I'm not telling you to not have your opinions, but when you get distracted and have an unhealthy interest in quarrels, you're going to miss the very heart of God towards His sheep. And I just think sometimes people get caught up in what I would refer to as less than kingdom things. Does that make sense? Well, what church do you go to? Well, we're all part of the kingdom, right? Well, you know... What about, what do you think about this hot topic? And what about that hot topic? And what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? It's just, it's less than kingdom. You know what I think? I think God loves us. And God wants us to focus on what unites us rather than what divides us. And we can all have different expressions of the body of Christ, but we're still the body. You might be an arm, you might be a foot, but we're all still just body. We all got the same head. Why don't we focus more on what we have in common than what we have different? So what does a lost sheep need? 
Well, Jesus tells us, you know what the lost sheep needs? A lost sheep needs a shepherd that will leave the 99 to go for the one. A shepherd that knows, look, you're good. I'm going to go get the one that's not. It needs a shepherd who's not so concerned with keeping the 99 together. Come on, I need, you. I, need you to, I need your attendance on Sunday. I need your offering. I need your saying good things about me on Instagram. I need, I need these things. This is, this is what I need. We, need. we need a building. Come on, we got to keep. No, no, no. There's one that's wandered. You're good. There's one that's wandered. That's what a lost sheep needs. And that's the kind of church that we're going to be. It needs a shepherd that's joyful when he sees the sheep that's wandered off. We don't need a shepherd who talks about the sheep that's wandered off. We don't need a shepherd that lets the other 99 know how wrong the one was. We need a shepherd that goes, hey, you're good, they've wandered. Do you know what a lost sheep needs? Sometimes he just needs another one of the sheep to go, hey, I noticed you're looking off in that direction a bit. Don't do it. Hey, I just noticed that you're kind of getting off the path a little bit. Come on back. Remember, we're following the shepherd. Hey, I noticed that other sheep that started to wander off. You started thinking maybe they know something that you don't know. Maybe they've got this all right, but they're not the shepherd. Listen to the shepherd. Stop following sheep and start following the shepherd. Maybe if one of the other 99 had spoken up, the one wouldn't have gotten lost to begin with. Make sense? You know what the lost sheep needs? He needed to be carried back. Carried. What a waste of resource. This shepherd who's pastoring 99, why would he leave to go one? Now he's got to carry it back? Yeah, because when sheep wander, you know what they do? They wander further than they're able to walk back. And when they're lost, do you know how hard it is for a lost sheep to come back to the 99? Because that sheep is just thinking, I I, I can't cover that distance. Because I don't know what the 99 are going to respond to me. That 99 has seen where I've been. And what if although the shepherd is leading me back, what if when he leads me back, though I have the love of the shepherd, the 99 are just looking at me like, it's about time. That sheep needs the other 99 to celebrate as much as the shepherd did. He needs to be carried back. But he needs the other 99 to go, hey, you made it! Yes! We were hoping you'd make it. Sorry we didn't yell at you when you were going astray, but we were a little busy following the shepherd. Man, but it's great to have you back. And that sheep needs to know the shepherd's voice. Probably when he began to wander, he wasn't hearing the shepherd's voice, but when he was lost and the shepherd started calling out to him, boy, did that sound like the best voice ever. He needs to know the shepherd's voice. John 10, chapter 5. Speaking of sheep, he says, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. This is Jesus describing himself as the good shepherd. And he says, those who follow me, they don't follow a stranger's voice. They don't get distracted. That's what a lost sheep needs. 
So then Jesus says, well, okay, that's a lost sheep. You need to be able to recognize the difference sometimes between a sheep, a coin, and a son. But let me tell you about this lost coin. Now, (laughs) I'm telling you, it was a creative miracle. My USB drive grew legs and walked away. That's ridiculous, isn't it? That USB drive didn't lose itself. It lacked the ability to. I lost it. Coins don't lose themselves. It can't wander away. The owner of the house lost the coin. They can't lose (laughs) themselves. So I know how this woman feels. You know how Romy knows that I've lost something? Every article of clothing is hung up, put away, folded. The house is swept clean. If I've done that, I've lost something. Because the chances of me actually doing that without having to look for something in the process. So if she sees that all the laundry is put away and done, she's like, what'd you lose? And did you find it? I'm like, what do you mean? I just thought I'd... Yes, I lost the USB drive. So I'm feeling this woman's pain when she's having to sweep the house and, 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 and find it. But thinking about this coin... Can I tell you that in the kingdom and in the church, sometimes we lose people. It's not intended. But maybe they just get caught up in the machine of church. I mean, they were doing everything they're supposed to do. They were coming, they were giving, they were serving, they were attending everything they were supposed to, but they just got lost. And it's been one, two, three, four, five weeks since anybody's seen them, but we're so busy doing the things of the kingdom that we didn't notice that we lost something along the way. And it's not intentional, but we lost them. Sometimes we forget to check in on them. I think about this a lot. You ever think about people in the group text you haven't commented in a while? Anybody have, group, anybody have 100 group texts like me and you forgot which one? Anybody ever sent the wrong text to the wrong group? And you're like, where's the delete button and there isn't one? Yeah. But maybe you've got this group text that maybe there's somebody in that group that hasn't been saying anything in a while. Could be nothing, but maybe they're a lost coin. Who knows? Maybe that's what Jesus would talk about his group texts. In our church, you're allowed to exit any group text you're in that you want to, and nobody will have hard feelings about you. I laugh because we've had so many different prayer group texts, and people get out, but they're like, guys, I love you all, really. I just got to exit. This is no hard feeling. I'm like, just, just leave. And I'm just, I just leave. I just leave them. And I'll come back in later, and then I'll leave them again. It's okay. You don't have to, anyway. Anybody feel guilty because they leave group texts all the time? Yeah, yeah. I'm a good group text leaver. I do it all the time. So you have permission to leave any group text that I'm in, unless it's the Shamrock Marathon group text, and you need to definitely come to that, right? But I think about how people get lost in church. Sometimes what I've seen is (laughs) they're celebrated when they come in, as they should be. They're celebrated when they make a decision for Jesus, but yet they never connected to him themselves. They connected to the the stuff, they connected to even the church or even people in the church, but they themselves never made the connection to Jesus. And so all of this stuff was kind of secondhand. And if there's anything that you'll know about people is at some point people will let you down. That's human nature. And if you haven't connected to Jesus, then when that thing that you were connected to suffers, 
you get lost. And sometimes it's just simply they missed out on this whole filling of the Holy Spirit thing. I came into church, I connected to Jesus, but man, I just, I don't understand this whole Holy Spirit thing. And there's this side that's just missing from them. And they get lost. A coin will never tell you that it's lost. You have to notice. So what does a lost coin need? There's something interesting about this coin. It was still in the house. Sometimes a lost coin needs someone to realize that you can still be in the house, but yet be lost. That just because you've come to church every week doesn't mean you've actually made a decision to be a part of His family. Just because you've been around the things of God doesn't mean that you have given your heart to Him and received His salvation. Just because you're in an atmosphere of revival doesn't mean that revival's happening in you. But Jesus wants us to find lost coins. He loves that coin. That lost coin needs a woman to turn her light on or a man to turn her light, his light on. The Bible says that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Sometimes helping people to connect to Jesus is just by showing them the word, teaching someone how to read their Bible, that they can hear from God through their Bible just like the preacher does, usually better than the preacher does. That showing your light means, can I show you how to read the Bible? Can I give you my Bible? We laugh because in the prayer meeting we talked about how many Bibles have gotten lost or stolen. If your Bible gets stolen, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I haven't, I haven't figured that one out. Obviously the person that stole it really needs it. But you need someone to turn their light on. You need someone who's willing to sweep the house. You know what that means? You're willing to just do things different. If what we're doing ain't connecting, it's not helping connect people to Jesus, I'm happy to sweep this house and try it again. If what we're doing and and this building isn't working and some other building will do it, I'll change buildings. If a building was never anything we ever needed, we just needed to meet from home, house to house, we'll do that. I'm not just trying new stuff. What I'm saying is I'm willing to sweep the house to find a lost coin. I don't want lost coins in our house. I want all of you connecting to Jesus. I want all of you filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be able to hear from Him yourself. And when He speaks something to you, to encourage you to do it with all of your might. Even if it means it doesn't build this thing here. It's not about building this thing. It's about the kingdom. And I'm not looking for people to fulfill my vision. I'm looking for you to get a dream from God for yourself. And we can champion you on and and cheer you on and go, did you hear this thing from God? Did you do what he said? And did you take a risk with it? Man, that's what we're going to celebrate here. We don't want lost coins. So then Jesus goes on in this final story. He talks about the lost son. Now the difference between the lost son is he walked away in his own free will. He didn't just get distracted and wandered. When he told his dad that he wanted his inheritance, what he was telling him was, Dad, you're dead to me, and I want what's mine, and I'm going to go party. So he leaves, squanders all of his wealth, and then has to come back to his dad. 
And I thought about this. What does the prodigal son need? This may sound kind of hard, but that prodigal son needed a father who would let him make his own choices. There was a lot of power in that decision to walk away from his father. It had big consequences. But can I tell you, he also made the choice to come home. And the power of choice went both directions for that lost son. That lost son needed to come to the end of himself, as Jesus told the story. Isn't it interesting that the father didn't chase the son? The the shepherd left the 99. The woman swept the whole house, but the father never chased after the son. You see, there's something different in a willful, rebellious person leaving their relationship with God and someone who just wanders and gets lost. But although the father never chased him, he waited at the end of the road and was looking for his son to come home. And when he did, he celebrated. And he grabbed him quickly before anybody else could get his hands on him. The father knew that if I don't catch him first, somebody who does not carry my heart will probably kill him. And that son needed a father who was waiting at the end of the road. Can I tell you what else the lost son needed? He needed a brother that would carry the heart of the father. You see, the older brother didn't do that. The older brother only saw what he did not get. Because he was caught up in this idea that if he gets this, then I don't get this. And what does my brother get and what do I get? And there's this constant comparing with what I got with what somebody else got. And this happens in the kingdom all the time. Why didn't I get this gift of prophecy? Why am I stuck with the gift of hospitality and I have to set up the coffee? Why can't I prophesy? Who says you can't? And since when do we compare gifts? God doesn't. Why would we? And I thought about this. What does God want lost sons and daughters to know? What does he want them to know? Do you think that the heart of the father towards their lost son or daughter is? I want them to know how much they've wronged me. And I want them to know how bad their decision making is. That was my son or daughter. And they were lost. That would be the furthest thing from my mind. God wants them to know how much he loves them. That's the heart of the father towards lost sons and daughters. So about a year or so ago, I was on a, 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 a bike trip up in D.C. We were, we were riding bicycles through D.C. because another friend of mine was participating in the Marine Corps Marathon on, on a hand cycle. And so we were up there to support him. We had a day free before that. And uh, he was a Marine. And so we're riding around D.C., and I was telling him about another friend of mine who I had not seen in a couple of years. But as we were going on this bike path, I was like, yeah, I've, I've actually got another friend of mine who's a retired Marine, and he, he works up here now, and he, he, he kind of works in the same place he did before at the Pentagon. And, and I was telling him all about this person. And I'm in, I'm in Washington, D.C., riding on a bike path, and I ride right past the guy I was just talking about. How strange is that? And I stopped and tried, I won't say his name for the sake of the story, but I was like, let's just say his name is Joe. It's not Joe, but I'll use the word Joe. And I was like, Joe! He's like, Clayton! I was like, I was just talking about you. 
and I'm in D.C. and I run into you. That's the strangest thing. He goes, oh, it is kind of strange. And um, so we stopped and talked and my other friend actually rode away because he was ahead of me. I don't think he realized that. I'm like, oh, whatever. So I'm, I'm having this conversation. I said, how strange is that, that I would run into you after talking to you? He goes, well, maybe it's not so strange. I said, well, tell me what's going on, man. How, how's the family? He said, well, to be honest, my daughter has kind of fallen into some hard times. He said she kind of got, you see, his daughter had, had been mixed up in drugs when she was younger, but had gotten clean, got married had two beautiful kids and was doing great. That was the last I had seen of her. He said she's gotten back into drugs again. And her husband's even worse. Her husband's left. He's just after the drugs. And, and for a drug addict to come back onto it, it's like you just fall further than you were before. And she's on, she's on the hardest stuff. She's lost the kids. She's living on the streets now. We actually don't really know where she is, but we have custody of these kids. I'm thinking this, this girl that he's talking about, his daughter, I knew her very well. And I didn't know her as a drug addict. I only met her after she had gotten off of it and was doing great. And he says, maybe you're just here to pray with me because I'm really having a hard time right now. We don't know if we're supposed to move back to Virginia Beach or keep the kids up here. And would you just pray for me? And right there on a bike path in D.C., we prayed together. And I, I rode off and I said, man, keep in touch. Let me know how you're doing. But I heard the heart of this father. He's just, it's so broken. And it's so much in pain. And the hardest part was, she's living on the streets. And I can't get a hold of her. And I just love her. I can't even tell her that I love her. Would you just pray with me right now that God would protect her wherever she is? I said, yeah, man, I will. Rode off. Two weeks later, I'm out there with my friend Jeremiah on the, on the truck with 99 for the one. And Brent and I are down in, in the ocean front. Actually, I think he was with me that day. He's got hazel out there. He can confirm it later. And we're out there handing out clothes. And it's uh, at the JSOC. We had all the, not JSOC, the uh, Judeo-Christian thing. We'd lay out all the bins of clothes and they'd come pick out what they want. And I see this girl turn the corner. And I see her kind of make eye contact with me and then kind of drop her head and just kind of go through the bends. I didn't think anything of it. Jai was with me. That's who was with me. And I look and I'm, kind of look again. And she finally walks over to me. And it's his daughter. And she goes, hi, Clayton. I was like, looked nothing like I remembered her. And I'm blown away. And I could tell she was a little embarrassed. She didn't know I had known her story because I had run into her father. I said, how are you doing? She goes, better. Not great, but better. And I remembered the conversation with her dad. I said, I just saw your dad two weeks ago in D.C. And I could see her head do this and drop. I said, no. Pick your head up. Your dad loves you. He poured out his heart for you to me on a bike path in Washington, D.C. And he just said, I love my daughter so much. I want her to come home. I know she's got to come to the end of herself, but there's a place for her in my house. And I'm watching her stuff. I'm watching her kids. 
her kids are okay, but I want my daughter home. I just saw your dad. He wants you to know how much he loves you. He's not mad at you. He is praying for you every day. He catches me and pours out his heart. He didn't know that I was going to run into you today. I didn't know I was going to run into you today. But I can tell you right now that the heart of your father is that he loves you and he wants you home. And she began to break down and cry. And I could see the look on her face was not the same one she thought she was going to hear. She thought she was going to hear about how much her dad was disappointed in all of her decisions. Her Marine, high up dad, the disciplinarian. But she heard the heart of a father. Can I tell you that when we find lost sons and daughters, our job is not to tell them how they got lost. They already know. Our job. I am that girl's brother. I'm not her pastor. I'm not her evangelist. I'm not her teacher. I'm her brother. And I'm here to tell her about our father. Our Father loves you so much. Can I tell you, there's lost sheep that need to know the heart of the Father towards them. Do you know how they're going to know it? They're not going to know it because we sat here on Sunday and we prayed for them. They're going to know it because we go out and find them. We go to every dark place and we light a light. We go to every place that someone has gotten lost themselves, even if they're in rebellion and they've walked away. And when we find them, we tell them the heart of the Father towards them. He loves you. You are still a son. This prodigal son didn't become a slave. He didn't become a servant. That's what he expected. And he said, no, you are still my son. And there are sons and daughters who are lost that need us to go tell them that your Father loves you. They don't need us to go tell them what's wrong. They don't need us on social media telling them how everything what they believe is wrong and if they just believe right, if they just behave right, then God will accept them. They need to be loved. Do you know how someone experiences the love of God? Because you loved them. That's what it is. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. God loves the world. Do you? He loves the world. And he has made us a channel of that love to them. God knows. God loves the world. The world knows they're loved by God when they're loved by us. Can I encourage you tonight? There's somebody in your world that needs to know God loves them. So stop expecting unsaved people to act saved. Stop getting mad when your coworkers have the rudest jokes and say things that they shouldn't say and do things they shouldn't do. They just haven't experienced the love of the Father. They don't need to be told what's wrong with them. They need to know that God loves them. When I saw that girl that day, I walked away saying, Jesus, thank you. I thank you she found me. 
because I got to be your channel of love to her today. She's doing great, by the way. She's back home. I forgot to tell you the end of that story. She got her kids. She's working to get her kids back. She's doing way, way better. God loves sinners. Do you? I would encourage you to find somebody to love this week. It's actually not that hard. Do you know on the way here to our Thursday night prayer meeting, Romy got caught up in traffic. There's massive traffic on Witch Duck Road. So she was late to a prayer meeting. That's how bad the traffic was. She's not going to miss her prayer time. And my daughter, Bella, she's 12 years old. She goes, Dad, she goes, Mom, maybe there's all this traffic and we're late because there's somebody who's broken down and they're going to need us to help them. That's what she said to Romy on the way. And you're like, okay, maybe. So we were late starting the prayer meeting. Romy's not going to cut her prayer meeting short. So the prayer meeting went a little bit longer than normal. So instead of getting out at 9, it was about 9.15. And we walk out the door, and there's a lady in the parking lot, car broken down. A grandma with her grandson, she was picking up for basketball. In our parking lot. And so here we are, like Brent's out there. You got to know Brent, I love him. But you call Norm to fix your car. (laughs) You call Brent to sell your house, okay? And he's out there, and he's going through the manual. And he's trying to figure out how to do it. And this woman, who's probably 70 or 80 years old, has no way of getting home. And I see the girls just rally around this girl, and they just start telling her how much God loves her. We're so glad you came into our parking lot. We're sorry you're broken down, but boy, are we lucky that you got broke down in our parking lot. Because somebody's going to fix your car, but you get to experience the love of God. And I think, Jesus, thank you. Like, you've made this so easy. I don't have to fly to Timbuktu to find somebody to tell God loves them. They break down in our parking lot. I'm not saying God broke her car down. I'm just saying it's easier than you think. Lost sheep need help finding their way back. Look for lost coins who may still be in the house, but need the light of the word and the sweeping power of the Holy Spirit to find the river of life. And let's look for lost sons and daughters who need their brothers and sisters to channel the love of God to them when they don't deserve it. Can you pray with me tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you that you love us enough to look for us when we wander off. Sorry. We thank you, Lord God, that you were willing to sweep the house clean and give us the light of your word so that we can be found when other people have lost us. And Lord, I pray for every person here that when we see people who just do stuff that's not Christian, that we don't get mad and we don't talk about them but we show them that you love them. I pray that we would see the difference between sometimes the spirit that's driving people and the lost son or daughter themselves who need to know that you love them. Make us a channel of your love to our world, God, because our world will change because of what you've done in us. 
as we just tell people that the love of God that we've experienced is for them too, our world begins to change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 